Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Father, what a gift it is for us to celebrate this reality, that Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was crucified on a Friday, is risen. And so, Lord, we, with the host of angels, we, with the global body of Christ, this morning celebrate this truth. And so, Father, may this truth uh, just uh, transform our lives in such a way that we, too, would declare this amazing grace that is found in Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, I'd like to welcome everyone and uh, just glad that we can gather. I know many of us are here, and there are quite a few people also joining us online on this Easter Sunday or on this Resurrection Sunday. But if we scan out and look at the world we live in, uh, it's been a difficult time. Even the very week we are in, uh, there's, there's, there's challenges. There is a huge trial taking place. Derek Chauvin is on trial. There was a shooting in Boulder, Colorado. There was a, a shooting in Atlanta. We are in the midst of a pandemic, and many people have died. Many people are sick. And even if we, you know, come down into our own lives, so many of us know the pain and sting of this past season. Maybe it was a loss of job. Maybe it was just a change in what was normal. You know, college students, like my daughter, she's here, no spring break. So we literally had to smuggle her from her campus to bring her home for Easter. And so many of us, our, our church body and, and many families here have experienced great loss in this season. And so in the, in the context of all of that, I'd like to suggest to you that Resurrection Sunday or the resurrection itself is the good news we didn't realize we need in this moment. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the good news that we all need. And so today we put on our Easter best uh, the team was making fun of me. I think this is the first time since I've been at downtown Hope that I, I put together a bow tie. I, I said, I'm going to come correct. I, I put on purple. I feel like I'm dazzling. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but, but they were making fun of me. So thank you for that round of applause. That, that helps boost my esteem back up. I didn't know if I was going to make it up to this. To share they, they really hurt my feelings. Uh, but the Easter 2,000 years ago was far from the celebration that we're doing this morning. That, that first Sunday morning as Joey Week, the beginning of the week, we are introduced to four women. And there's other women with them, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the, mother of Je- Mary the mother of James. And there are other women gathered there, and they are filled with grief. And they're filled with despair. It's been a traumatic weekend for them. And so we we, we celebrate the reality of the resurrection. But, you know, the Bible tells us they were going to the tomb with spices. 
Now, if we just be honest with ourselves, they weren't going to the tomb and say, hey, we have these spices. We hope he's alive, but just in case he's not, we bring these spices. No, he was dead. And, and look at the word. It says at the tomb they got there, and they were perplexed. They were dumbfounded. They were completely baffled that the body of Jesus wasn't there. These were grieving women coming to the tomb of their Lord, and he was gone. And not just perplexed, they were frightened by these two angels that appeared and asked them this very specific question. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is risen. And then the Bible tells that they were perplexed, and now they're frightened at this saying. And I love what Esau Macaulay, he says, he says, the only thing more terrifying than a world in which Jesus is dead is a world in which Jesus is alive. Because if he's alive, that means everything he said is absolutely true. That means if he's risen, we have to reorient our lives to his way. And so when we find ourselves in grief, when we find ourselves in despair, when we look out into the world and see nothing but stress, we tend, or maybe not you, but I tend to want to go hide. And if I could be completely honest, I'd like to go to a tomb myself and just hide from the rest of the world. The pain is too much. I don't want to deal with anybody else. But these women at the tomb, they were not given that option. What Jesus asked these grieving, or what these angels, or what God himself asked these grieving women to do is a challenge to us. To these women in despair, facing heartache, he says, now go back into the very world that crucified Jesus and proclaim good news. I mean, in the midst of all the pain you feel, there is an opportunity for us to go back into the world we live in and say, good news. Good news. He is risen. This is why for ages we say he is risen and then we respond, what? He is risen indeed. Good news. We are called just like they, they are called to declare the good news. A message of forgiveness. Tell the world that, 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 that through his death was an incredible display of God's love. Now you go into the world, these women, you go and you start sharing this. Guess what everybody's going to think? They're going to think you're crazy. You're saying good news? And so what happens? The first people they share this with are the disciples, the people that walked with the Lord for three years. So you would expect them to say, hallelujah, amen, he is risen indeed. Is that what we find out? No. In verse 11, the women share this good news of Jesus' resurrection. And this is what we are told. That these words, verse 11, seem to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. The women come and share. We heard he's risen. His body's not there. In fact, we forgot. The angel said, do you not remember what he said? The disciples here, this is, okay, you guys have kind of lost it. ESV says it seemed to them an idle tale. And I'd like to suggest that idle tale is actually a cleaned up version of the word used. When they hear this, it's like they're saying, nonsense. 
They, they hear this, says, you, you, you're losing it. This is a, a fabrication. You're making up this story. It cannot be true. And as Vodi Bakum would say, are you smelling what I'm stepping in? That's exactly the thought that comes to mind when they hear this account. Perhaps they were thinking this is exactly the sort of thing we'd expect from a few crazy women, grief-stricken, and maybe they have a lack of sleep. In other words, when they hear what they're testifying to, the truth and reality of what was taking place that day seems stranger than fiction. It was too good to be true. It doesn't make sense. But friends, that's what Jesus does. He changes the paradigm with which we live in. He changes everything. And so today, we are the fools who dared to believe in God's power to resurrect. You see, we believe a greater truth has broken through. This is not an idle tale, the resurrection of Jesus. You know what is actually the idle tale? Death itself. Death is now the idle tale because by the power of God, what are we just saying? That we can go from the grave and live in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. Death is now the idle tale. And this is why we can cry out with the Apostle Paul that death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You see, the resurrection is an altering, it is a breaking through, it is a transformation or transforming of the perceived rules that govern this world. And and resurrection changes the most powerful and pervasive rule of all, that death has the final word. Jesus has the final word. You see, the resurrection says no to the finality of the grave and yes to life. And as such, we can be heralds of the hope we found in the gospel. It's a paradigm shift. It's a new way to understand life. And this truth radically changed my life. I was a college student. I had grown up in the church. Uh, My mom and dad took us to church every Sunday. And if I'm honest to you, For those first 17 years of my life, going to church and hearing what was preached, it sounded like an idle tale. It meant absolutely nothing to me. And then I went to college. I went to, uh, some of you should know what school I went to. Pop quiz. What's the greatest school on planet Earth? (laughs) University of Maryland, College Park, home of the mighty Terrapins, go Terps. While I was there, a brother of mine just shared his faith, introduced me uh, to the Lord Jesus, invited me to a gathering, and when I walked into the gathering, like these women, I was perplexed, completely baffled. I was filled. I was in a room filled with people much like you, and their attention was on Jesus Christ, and it was apparent that experienced transformation. I was frightened. Because they dared to believe what was written in this book. And they were freely sharing it. And it terrified me. And so I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I followed him. And ever since that day, I've made it a point. Even if I sound like a fool, I'm going to share this truth. 
Even if it sounds like a, a fabrication to the world I live in, I'm going to share this truth. And even if Downtown Hope asks me to speak on an Easter Sunday, I'm going to wear my Sunday's best, put on a bow tie, and I'm going to share this truth. Because he is risen. Friends, he's risen indeed. And so we need to now reorient our lives to this incredible truth. It's not a story. In fact, I'd suggest that we're the ones that are telling stories. We're the ones that are telling idle tales. We, We tell stories so that people will like us. We tell stories so people will appreciate us. We, 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 we write down things on our resume, and sometimes we add a little bit more, telling a story that I might be accepted. And so who's really making up the story? Maybe it's us. And so in contrast, the grand story is a story of God's love demonstrated in Jesus Christ, that the Son of Man suffered that we might have life. He who knew no sin became sin for us. There was a substitution that occurred, and everything that I was due because of my disobedience, he took upon himself upon the cross. And friends, that is good news. That news is so good that for 2,000 years, that narrative, has tr- we've tried to bury it. Many have tried to relegate this truth to fiction. But God has an incredible ability to resurrect things that are seemingly buried. And so here we are in 2021 still sharing. And what I love is even though the disciples at first said, man, you guys have lost it. It's an idle tale. We don't believe you. They were determined to share this story. That's the only reason why we know what we know. Think about it. If the women said, okay, yeah, the disciples, they don't believe us. Okay, maybe we've lost it. Maybe we had an hallucination. Let's forget the whole thing. The Bible would have ended at Luke chapter 22. He breathed his last, and that's it. But no, these women persevered and said, look, even if you don't believe me, here's what's true. And because it's true, I'm convinced that I must share it. So each time we gather, especially on Resurrection Sunday, we are a reminder of God's abiding love for all the world that cannot be buried. Good Friday, we ended at a grave. He was put into a tomb. And we find fulfillment of all of God's promises experience on that Resurrection Sunday in a garden. And so my hope and my prayer is that we all might be filled and find fulfillment with the same hope that began that first Sunday. And so I'd like to pray. I just want to invite you to consider what it is that happened that day. And what I love is even in their disbelief, you continue reading uh, in our passage, you get to verse 12, and, and in their disbelief, there wasn't a lecture. They didn't gather everybody and say, okay, let me teach you about Jesus. All that happened is their wonder was enhanced. You read that Peter, maybe he didn't believe, but, but something was bugging him. It's almost like when you have a, a, a pebble in your shoe. You just can't, you can't go about your day without thinking about that. And that day, 
Peter, he peered inside and saw the, the clothes, the grave clothes, and he said he, he marveled at this. And so my hope is that in our gathering today, we would just be marveled by what he does. Even if we don't have all the answers, I just pray that something would be like, man, he's risen. He's risen indeed. Let's pray. Father, the first day of the week, these women went to the tomb, and what they experienced forever changed their lives and is changing our lives even now. And so, Lord, as we consider story, maybe we're the ones who have written an idle tale about our lives, but I pray, Lord, that today would be a beginning or a, continu a continuation of the story you are writing and how it's resolved in Jesus. Lord, what took place that Sunday morning was evidence of your love. And so, Father, I pray in the next few moments as we uh, consider and reflect on how deep your love is, may our hearts burn as we recognize that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Indeed, how deep is the Father's love for us. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.